Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Fibula, nothing personal word of the day for Wednesday, October 27th, 2021, is fibula, a word you do not want to hear when it is your starting pitcher in a World Series game in the early part of the game, and of course I'm saying that to cover up the fact that for the life of me, I can't remember what inning it was, but I want to say it was the third, Yuli Gurriel, the batting champion for the Houston Astros, hits a comebacker, it goes off the shin of Charlie Morton, the starting pitcher, ricochets directly to Freddie Freeman for the out, the old one to three. If you're keeping score at home, or even if you're alone. (laughs) I botched that one too. (laughs) So nothing happens. He sort of winces a little bit, motions to the dugout, we're good. Goes back in the dugout at the end of the inning, comes back out for the next half inning, pitches to three batters, throws 16 pitches, Strikes out Jose Altuve, who took the donut in the Game 1 Astros loss, along with Bregman and Correa, by the way. And he winces in a way that if I'm the team president, I'm watching and I'm saying, get out there and see what's going on. So the trainer comes out and he doesn't pause. Charlie Morton heads toward the dugout. Unclear speculation. Hamstring, maybe an ankle. It didn't even occur to me watching the game that it had to do with the ricochet off the what I thought was the side of his shin. Now, if I were the president of the Braves, I would have gone to the clubhouse immediately, had the trainer come in from the dugout before, right after the ricochet. After a game, you can access the field to get into the dugout to get into the clubhouse. But during a game, you actually have to take the elevator with the fans where there are stops for different levels of the seating bowl. And the bottom floor is always the tunnel. And you have to show your ID because you get an ID when you're a road team and you get into the clubhouse that way. And the phone is on you. You can't reach anyone because there's no Wi-Fi and you can't get through. You walk into the clubhouse and you say, hey, what's with Charlie? Well, we took an x-ray, looks good. He's in some pain, but he said he can pitch through it. Great, see you later. Back up to the seat, call the owner, give him the update. Say to the GM, let's potentially get ready for a problem. Let's see how he looks, but we're gonna be good. We have an early lead, things look good. 
everything's coming up roses here in Houston for the Atlanta Braves. So he comes out, pitches, hurt. I'm right back in the elevator, right back down to the clubhouse. Hey, Charlie, what's up? Hey, I couldn't pitch through it. It's that hurt. All right, let's get an x-ray because if you can't go in game five, we have to know now. X-ray and I get the call because we don't announce what the x-ray results are during a regular season until we want to, maybe that night, maybe the next day. But in the postseason, it makes no difference. You can announce it immediately because Fox wants to know the broadcasters and you're not, it's not a competitive disadvantage to you to say what the injury is to your player. He was taken out of the game. And when you know that it's enough that he will not be able to pitch again, you're happy to announce it immediately. Happy is the wrong word. You're willing to announce it immediately. If, however, Morton was still a possible pitcher for a game five or even a game four because he didn't throw a lot of pitches in game one, the announcement would have been somewhat different. It would have been taken out for lower leg pain, will be evaluated tomorrow. That is the special word that we use in baseball and in all sports. He'll be evaluated tomorrow. That's a bunch of horse hockey. We evaluate him tonight. We could say we will further evaluate him tomorrow, but we'd always leave out the further. So the x-ray comes back. There's a fracture, which means from what I knew from our team doctor, when there's a line on the x-ray, it shows a fracture. I've had a stress fracture from running in my foot before. It hurts. Sometimes you can run through it, but you're risking severe damage. Other times you just can't even walk. You try to ice it. You try to take Toradol. You try to do whatever you can to mask the pain, to keep going. But at some point, you're done. And for a pitcher on his right leg as a righty, guess what? If you have pain in that lower leg, you have a problem. Now, a fractured fibula, when I tell you, hey, he broke his leg, and that was the first release on Fox, he broke his leg. He's out for the World Series, but he'll be ready for spring training. That was the funniest announcement ever. I would not have announced that other than the fact that he has a $20 million contract for next year, and maybe Braves fans are all worried, will his leg fix itself by next season? But who really cares that he has a that he'll be ready for spring training. Not wholly relevant. So the fact is, we can make the immediate decision he's done for the series. So now I don't go back to my seat at all. I'm going to spend the rest of the game in the clubhouse because we're working on who to add to the roster because we're going to put him off the roster when he's injured. Then we have to figure out our pitching rotation. It's a total cluster duck, which is masking the fact that we have a 5 nothing lead and that we are stealing a game when we have our ace on the mound but we're not adding on. I'm in a bit of a panic. We get a run in the eighth inning with a Freddie Freeman sacrifice fly. We win the game 6-2. to two. All is great. Then, at the end of the game, the manager would come in, because I would not have spoken to the manager during the game. I'm not going to call him out of the dugout. Manager comes in, hey, Brian, um, it's a fracture, and you're about to meet the media. Here's what we're going to say. He has a fracture in his fibia. Fibia, that's the wrong word. 14, 29, 69. So we'd sell the manager to say, hey, he's got a fracture in his fibula because Samson wants to use that as word of the day. So we're not going to say broken leg. We're going to say fractured fibula, and he's out for the World Series. That's it. Follow-up questions? No. Talk about the game. Do you have an answer of who's going to replace him on the roster? No, because we haven't told you that yet. Do you have an answer to your rotation? No, because we haven't told you that yet. So just say he has a fractured fibula. So Brian Snicker takes the podium after the game, feeling really good. And for whatever reason, he 
he said, hey, we took a first x-ray right after it happened, and it was clean. And then we took another x-ray when he came out, and it was fractured. So maybe it fractured in the interim period. All right, Brian, that's enough. Stop it. Stop talking. It is incredibly unlikely, if not impossible, that Charlie Morton fractured his fibula in between innings or in the 16 pitches and the three hitters he faced after being nailed by Gurriel on a comebacker. But we're trying, hear me out here, we don't want the union, we don't want the player, we don't want anyone in the league to think that we put a player out there to pitch with a broken fibula. So let's just say nothing. You broke your fibula, Charlie, can you pitch? That would have been my first question after the fracture actually did come through once the line on the x-ray scene. I would have said, hey, I got a quick question for you. Can you pitch through it? He, and by the way, if anyone could, it would be Charlie. Okay, so game one of the World Series is famous for a couple reasons. One, it's incredibly exciting. As a road team, you want to win. We won game one of the 2003 World Series. You go back to the hotel that night, and you just feel like the world is yours. You go on the road for the first two games in a seven-game series when you are the road team for the first two, and you just want the split. The thing about just wanting the split is that once you get the first one, you want the sweep. And when you don't get it like we didn't, we lost game two to the Yankees, you fly back to Florida despondent because you could have had a stranglehold on the series. If you lose game one on the road, then you need to win game two to get that split. And then when you win game two, you fly home at 1-1 and you're so happy that you got the split. The recency bias that executives go through is staggering. The same result, the same flight, when you win game one and lose game two versus losing game one and winning game two, the same flight from Houston back to Hotlanta Hartsfield is totally different. But game one is also well known because of what happens before the game. The commissioner of baseball does a scrum. Not an official sitting in the press conference room and taking questions. The scrum is when you pretend you're standing out on the field watching batting practice, and there's a bunch of media who gets credentials, and they're out on the field watching batting practice. It's a dance you all do. You're waiting. You're looking at the commissioner. Is he going to talk? Is he ready to talk now? And then he stands, and he starts talking. Now, what do you think if you are the PR person for Rob Manford, who, by the way, is extremely talented. His name is Pat Courtney. Worked under Bud Selig as well, but Bud Selig had a number one guy. Pat was number two. Pat became number one when Rob became commissioner. A holdover from the last regime. I've worked so closely with him when I was in baseball with PR and statements and all the other things that are needed. What do you think that Rob Manford needs to be prepared for? Just out of curiosity, how many subjects? Well, let me tell you what I would have prepared him for. Number one, any update on Marcelo Zuna, who is an Atlanta Brave, who has been on administrative leave since May, charged with a felony domestic abuse, moved down to a misdemeanor. He's now in a program to try to get that erased, but he has not been punished by baseball. Any update, even though we know he's been suspended through the playoffs, we just want to know about next year because we're the Braves. We want to know. That's one. Two, tell me. Anything on Trevor Bauer, 
I want to be prepared to say Trevor Bauer is on administrative leave. This is about the Braves and the Astros. We will have a further announcement about Trevor Bauer as soon as we possibly can. We are in touch with the union. We have no result. Good. Easy to navigate. No problem. Three, the Atlanta Braves and the Native American chop. Uh, uh, uh. As president of the Marlins and the Expos, I was in the NL East my entire career. There is not one thing more annoying than the Atlanta Braves chop. A, we couldn't win a game in Atlanta either when I was with Montreal or Florida. But B, when the fans do it, I didn't associate it with anything racist. I associated it with a nightmare because it meant that either they were rallying or we were losing. But as time passed and you leave the game and you get some distance and you start thinking about what's happening in the world, especially recently when it becomes at the forefront, you realize that the chop is not ideal. So you got to prepare, if you're Rob, to get asked about the chop. And so he was. Was Rob Manford prepared? God, I hope not. I hope that his answer was not the workshopped answer. We don't market our game on a nationwide basis. Ours is an everyday game, Rob said. You've got to sell tickets every single day to the fans in that market. And there are all sorts of differences between the regions in terms of how the teams are marketed. Let me get this straight. What we want to say to our sponsors and fans is that what is racist somewhere is not racist somewhere else. Therefore, now I'm just assuming the chop is racist. I'm not even talking about whether or not it is. I'm talking about the concept of what's right and what's wrong and how you can differ in markets with that definition. We don't want any misogyny unless we're in a state with no women. Now, if we're in a state with no black people, racism is fine. And if we're in a state where the Native Americans have said we're okay with the chop, that means the chop's okay, and the Native Americans who are not okay with the chop in other markets, forget them, they don't count. And by the way, when I say we don't market the game on a nationwide basis, what I mean is I wish we could, but we have no nationwide stars. And the biggest stars we do have are not even in the postseason, so we had to give the Commissioner's Achievement Award, which we rarely give out, we had to give it to Shohei Otani because that's as close as the Angels are going to smell a World Series game. That's not a good workshopped answer. But Rob, the Cleveland Indians changed their name to the Cleveland Guardians. And the Atlanta Braves themselves said they were wondering about their in-game entertainment and whether or not to eliminate it, whether or not they should not play the music that's associated with it, and if it just so happens that fans do what they do it, but that the team itself is going to take a, hey, we're washing our hands of that, but we can't tell fans what to chant and what to do. That would have been a better answer. We've left it, it would be a Republican answer, right? We've left it up to the team. The team has met and spent time with the Native American community. They recognize the sensitive nature of the CHOP chant, and they have decided not to endorse it, but not to ban it. Great, end of story. It's important to understand, Rob continued, that we have 30 markets around the country. They aren't all the same. The Native American community in that region is wholly supportive of the Braves program, including the CHOP. And for me, that's kind of the end of the story. In that market, we are taking into account the Native American community. Stop! 
when you are giving an interview and you say that's the end of the story, then stop the story. You don't need to talk after you say that's it. It's like when you're on the stand or you're in an interview. Let's do an interview first. Every time you give an interview, any good reporter will say, did I miss anything? Is there anything you'd like to add? Here's a hint when you're being interviewed, when someone says that. No, thank you. You never add anything because that only can hurt you. And you never say in an interview, never say never, never, Mike Tomlin, you never say, and that's all I have to say, if you're going to say something else. Because then clearly, that's not all you have to say, and the reporter is going to keep digging, or the person you are negotiating with is going to keep talking. That's the end of the negotiation. Oh, wait a minute, I want this. Or wait a minute, I'd be willing to give that. That's the end of my story. No, 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 I've got another conclusory statement. He says it's the end of the story, and then says, in Atlanta, we take into account the Native American community. Not good enough. So that, he wasn't prepared for that. All right, what's next? What else would you say is gonna be asked? Oh, I think I know. Collective bargaining. That is the number one off the field story. That is the number one responsibility in fans' eyes of the commissioner. Now, he's gonna talk about pace of game. We're gonna prepare him for that, in case that comes up. But the CBA, the reason Rob Manford got 23 votes and then 30 votes unanimously selected as commissioner elected in 2000 and something. Can't remember what that day in Baltimore. Was it 13? 14, 13, August, something of something. When, Coco, when was his, that election? Was it 13 or 14? That's an easy Google while you're listening to the show. And you've got 14 screens up and you're trying to take notes and pay attention and produce. If you just Google Manford, not when he assumed office, in January 15, that means it was August of 14, right? Do the math. Coca's yelling at me. Coca, that's not nice. Can we stop fighting? I know we had our problems today with the show. It happens. Kumbaya, my lord. Kumbaya. So, Rob Manford is, is elected, and one of the reasons he didn't get Jerry Reinsdorf's vote is Jerry Reinsdorf thought that he would not be hard enough on the union for labor, and Jerry Reinsdorf is a hardliner. Ken Kendrick, the same. John Henry the same. They're a bunch of hardliners. And they were worried that Rob was going to be a give-me bear. He was going to be like Shel Silverstein and the giving tree. And to Reinsdorf, we're out of branches. We can't give anymore. We give till it hurts. And then we give just a little more. So Rob has an important job. There's been labor peace in baseball since 1995. There's not been any stoppage. That's 26 years of no stoppage. 21 years, no stoppage this century. People who are in college have seen baseball with no labor issues whatsoever. We know that there is a lot of renka between the union and the commissioner's office and the owners. We know that there have been leaks already that there's gonna be a work stoppage to be prepared for it. So what is the question that you are prepared to answer? What's the update on collective bargaining negotiations? Because we know you're gonna meet during the World Series, because Tony Clark is here. We know you always meet during the World Series. We know there have been meetings up to this point. We know that it expires on December 1st. We know that the World Series is gonna end sometime November 1st, let's say. So you have 30 days. The question that's gonna come is, where do we stand? 
And then when you answer that, the follow question is, what are the chances? What are the odds? We want to report that. We want to say to our readers that there's either going to be a stoppage, there's not going to be a stoppage, there could be a stoppage, there won't be a stoppage. So when asked about the CBA, the answer should be very clear. The players' union and the owners recognize that in this day and age, given the pandemic and the lost revenue by owners and lost revenue by players, that the last thing either side would want is any stoppage that would in any way interrupt the 2022 season. While December 1st is the deadline in your mind, we have a different deadline that we are working under. Now that is a very interesting point to make publicly because it happens to be true. But guess what's never discussed when you're negotiating a collective bargaining agreement? You never tell the other side that it's a floating deadline because you don't want there to be any inkling by one side or the other that there's going to be give as you approach a fake deadline. Now, you're going to say, Samson, December 1st, not a fake deadline. That's the end. And after that, you either have to have a, a lockout, there has to be a strike, there has to be something. And that's true under the laws of labor. You negotiate to an impasse, and then you can lock out the players. The players don't get a deal they want. They can go on strike. Except in December, what are you striking? I will not go to team facilities. In a lockout or a strike, you can't go to team facilities and work out, even though, wink, wink, some players do. No, there's no cameras. No one cares. We get them in. We work them out. It's all good. If you say the deadline is spring training of 2022, the odds are there won't be a deal until spring training of 22 if it were a normal management union relationship. But if you happen to know that you are working toward a deal, that a deal is going to get done because the owners do not have the appetite to lose revenue, and you know the players because Tony Clark has told you in the quiet of night at the round table where the Knights are talking that the players really want free agency to happen. There's definitely issues regarding arbitration and service time and manipulation, making sure that no teams are tanking, all the issues that you know exist because we've talked about them. But you also have been told, if you're Rob, that, hey, we're not going to strike. And if we do strike, we need this to settle. So the real deadline is February one. Why February 1 when spring training starts February 15th? Because once you have agreement, you then have to write the whole collective bargaining agreement. The players have to vote. The owners have to vote. And it's easier for the players to vote than the uh, for the owners to vote than the players, right? The owners have the executive council. Then they suggest it to the entire body of players. Then they get on a call with a thousand guys. For owners, you just do a phone meeting. Maybe you get everyone to come in person, although with Zoom now, maybe you just do a Zoom you go through all the points of the agreement, you do a vote, you get 23 votes, and you have approved the new collective bargaining agreement. But when we're talking to the media, the rule of thumb is you're never talking to the media. You're talking to the people who are reading what the media reports. You're talking to your fans. You're talking to your sponsors. And it's not weakness to say that we are working toward a deal and we are confident that a deal is going to happen. Because if a deal doesn't happen, you can still leak that it was the other side's fault. You can actually just be forward about it. Yeah, we're locking them out. We thought we were heading toward a deal. We're still going to work toward a deal. Uh-oh, it's spring training. It didn't happen. It's the player's fault. 
you can always blame somebody at some point. But today, during the World Series, the sole focus should be, don't worry, everybody. Let's take it down from DEFCON 4 to DEFCON 1. There's no panic. There's no sweat. We're good here. There's nothing to see. Let's focus on the field. There are some instances where talking about your focus on the field is wholly appropriate. After the break, we're going to talk about the circumstances where it is not appropriate in any way to say, hey, we're only talking about what's on the field. You know what we're going to talk about, don't you? The NFL. We will be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Thank you so much for rating and reviewing. Wherever you get your podcast, please do that. And please subscribe to the YouTube channel and tell your friends three things. Rate, review, follow. Follow us on YouTube and hit subscribe, please. We have not been able to do a live YouTube since the wildcard round because I'm on CBS Sports HQ doing postgame. But please hit subscribe and then tell your friends. After the break, you know what comes. It's a review. I watch a movie every day, even when I don't sleep. And by the way, I didn't sleep one minute last night. Last night was Tuesday, October 26th. I did the postgame on HQ, got back about 1.30 in the morning, couldn't get rid of the adrenaline. There was no ice cream to be had. You know, I hope you're laughing at that, although it's not that funny. So couldn't sleep, and I had a 5 a.m. radio interview with Amy Lawrence on CBS Nationwide Radio, who does the overnight shift, and I just couldn't sleep, and then I was ready to come in to record Nothing Personal and was unable to. In any case, the bottom line is I still had time to watch a movie. And what I watched was a long movie, a two-parter, a six-parter, really. Six, it wasn't six hours, though, because each part was 41 to 45 minutes. It's on Netflix. It's called Bad Sport. Many of you have gotten in Twitter at David P. Sampson and asked me to watch it, and I did. It is six separate documentaries about six scandals 
that have taken place, and I was aware of none of them. The opening documentary is about point shaving with Arizona State. Very appropriate given the gambling that's going on right now. Do you know why there was point shaving at the Arizona State? Because the player was offered ten grand to win by less than the spread. So the player said, hey, I get to win and get ten grand. That's a slam dunkaroo. So for commissioners, for owners, for athletic directors, for university presidents, you're all in bed with the devil. Don't be surprised if he rolls over and breathes fire on you from time to time. Then there was a story about cricket. I had no idea the greatest cricket player in South African history got involved with throwing matches. Hmm, wonder why he did that. How about this one? Horse racing. Have you ever seen the show horses, those horses that jump over those things and they're running around? It's like the Westminster Dog Show, but for horses. And these horses go for a ton of money. Well, it turns out that rich people who ride horses, many of them in Wellington, Florida, want their horses dead because they want to collect the insurance, so they hire a hitman to kill the horses. Bad Sport got all of these people to actually talk to the camera, current day, and go through all of these stories. I was blown away by Bad Sport. If you have time, and I'm asking you, have time. But if you need an order to watch it, watch the horse racing one, because that's just, I don't know what to say about that. Okay, let's talk about the NFL. The NFL is having owners meetings in person. No more Zoom. That means that everyone's vaccinated and everyone's getting going. They want to see each other in person. They go to New York City. Owners meetings in person were always interesting because media is there and media is in the lobby and owners meetings are in, uh, they're in, oh my God. What's the name of a room? Not a convention room, but a meeting room, I guess is what it's called. They're normally on the second floor of a hotel where you take an escalator up or the elevator to two. It's called a, not a showroom, a ballroom, thank you. They're in different ballrooms and side rooms and the media stays in one place and the media is trying to figure out what's being talked about. So the NFL gets together and after every owner's meeting in the NFL or NBA or Major League Baseball, post owner's meeting, there is a press conference where the commissioner meets the media. But before the commissioner meets the media, when owners leave an owner's meeting, owners get asked questions. Hey, what went on in there? Hey, what was discussed? Hey, what's shaking, bacon? The NFL is an absolute shite show right now. Roger Goodell is carrying water for those owners because he doesn't want to get fired because he makes so much money. But he's lost all credibility in my mind because it's so obvious that he is forced to say things that God help me if he actually believes. But yesterday, owners were saying things in addition. And I want to go through a couple of things and ask you a question. Do you believe these owners or Roger Goodell? I'm going to start with Woody Johnson, the owner of the Jets, who was the ambassador to England under the 45th president. He was asked about the WFT investigation. Shocking. I am telling my owner, hey, don't talk to the media, please. 
because all they're going to ask you about is either why your team sucks or what your view is of WFT and the entire Redskins issues that are going on with Daniel Snyder. So Woody Johnson's asked about it, and do you know what he said? He said, we're here for football. Remember five minutes ago before the break or 10 minutes ago, depending on how many commercials CBS put in and not gave us any, not giving us any revenue for? Remember that? When I said that sometimes you can't just say our focus is on the field and sometimes you can. During the World Series, you can. With an owner's meeting in New York City, with the WFT situation going on, with the congressional hearings wanted for the 650,000 emails, with the coach who was forcibly told to be fired and resign. You don't think that that is a subject worth discussing? When the two lawyers for all of the women who were harassed under Daniel Snyder, knowingly, by the way, and you've told Roger Goodell to say, hey, we're not releasing any emails because we want to protect the women. You don't think they talked in that order's meeting about what to say to the media? God help them if they didn't. But if they didn't, then PR people or president, you say to the owner, here's what you say. Ready? I have no comment. I'm going to let Roger discuss that. I have no comment. That's for Dan Snyder. That's for Mark Davis. If you are the owner of the New York Jets, you say nothing. You don't say, I'm here for football. It's damn embarrassing. What do you think Steve Ross is going to get asked? He's going to get asked about Deshaun Watson, isn't he? Could get asked about why his team can't win a game. Steven Ross, rumored to have wanted Deshaun Watson this whole time. There has been a huge uprising in Miami. Should we get Watson? Should we not? Is Tua our quarterback? Is he not? All they've done is have their coach, who's on the hot seat himself, say, hey, Tua's our guy. Of course he's our guy until he's not our guy. Everyone who's currently in uniform, I would always say, that's my guy. What am I going to say? That's not my guy? And then have him start a quarterback or be a starting pitcher? I can't stand that pitcher. God, that center fielder totally stinks. Then why are you playing him? It's all I got. I'm giving you all I got, Captain. So, of course, you say it's your guy, but it doesn't mean it's your guy. You can trade your guy the minute after you say he's my guy. But Stephen Ross has a bigger issue on his hands because I told you here on Nothing Personal that the Miami Dolphins are not trading for Deshaun Watson without knowing what his punishment is going to be. And Roger Goodell met the media yesterday to say, hey, we're still investigating. We don't know. Word leaked out that teams called Roger Goodell and didn't get an answer. Do you know why Roger Goodell is not giving an answer to Steve Ross or to David Tepper or to any owner about what they're doing with Deshaun Watson? Because Steve, not Steve, come on, 69. Do you know why Roger Goodell is not giving an answer to any owners about Deshaun Watson? Because he has a deal with the Texans saying, you're going to pay him, keep him on the inactive list, and we're going to punt all the way through the season. Because if you trade him, then we have to decide what we're going to do. Do we just let him play for the new team? God, that would make us look terrible, wouldn't it? If we let him play and then at halftime, all of a sudden he's charged with a felony? All of a sudden word comes out that it's true 
all of the allegations? And then what? We suspend him again? And meanwhile, the Texans got three ones and three twos, and the team that acquired him is despondent? They start suing because they're going to accuse the Texans for knowing what the punishment was going to be? It's a total mess. The best way to deal with Deshaun Watson is simply to say, status quo. John Voigt, in National Treasure, when he was kidnapped by someone looking for the treasure, I think it was Ed Harris who kidnapped him, or maybe it was National Treasure 1, I can't remember. Whoever it was, John Voigt said to Nicolas Cage, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Keep the status quo. You can't do anything till the status quo changes. The status quo can only change when the NFL finishes its investigation. The NFL can only finish its investigation when they know what's going to happen with the district attorney. Stephen Ross knows all this. Rumors came out yesterday that a deal was already in place that the Dolphins were willing to give what the Texans wanted, but they weren't going to do it till they knew what was going to be with Deshaun and his availability. And that makes perfect sense. It's such a tweetable thing. Yeah, we have an agreement in place. You really think a team would say that? Ever? How would Tua feel? Yeah, we've got your replacement ready to go, but man, we got to stick with you until we know if this guy's going to jail or if he's suspended. So when you're advising Steve Ross what to do when he meets the media, here's what you tell him not to say. When you see reporters, you don't look at the reporters and say, I know what it's about and I'm not dealing with it, and then keep walking. Really? Is that what you want your fan base to read? The owner of the team of a 1-6 team having lost six in a row after they beat Buffalo in game one? Did they beat Buffalo in game one? I think they did. I know what you want to talk to me about, and I'm not dealing with it? Don't you think the fan base would rather just hear, hey, thanks for coming, guys. We'll talk another time. Hey, I really got nothing. I'm focused on the meeting. Hey, I'm focused on the Dolphins' next game. I know what you're here to talk about. Then they see Mark Davis walking by. Mark Davis, how do you feel about the owners' meeting? How do you feel about the whole WFT situation? You've been pretty public. Do you have anything else to say? Mark Davis is always good for a quote. You got to give a quote. It's like feeding meat to a tiger. There are a bunch of tigers at feeding time. That's what the media is at these owners' meetings. You got to give them something. Mark Davis did. He said the league may have had months. They may have known for months. Would have been a lot easier if they had just told me what was there. Were we treated unfairly? Yes, we were. We're the Raiders. You think he has a chip on his shoulder from being Al Davis's son? Remember Al Davis when he owned the Raiders? Woe is me. It's always the league against us. Cover Sports Illustrated. Raiders sue NFL. NFL sues Raiders. We want to move to LA. Then we want to move back to Oakland. Then back to LA. Back to Oakland. Now to Vegas. Have team. We'll travel. I would like for our coach to have been either suspended or fired long before the middle of the season because now we're stuck and now you're not going to release the emails? I want to see him. Hey, Roger. Roger, are you going to release those emails? Come on. Come on. Nope. We've got to protect the women. Oh, the women don't want to be protected? They're okay with being named? They actually want the emails revealed? Hold on, let me talk to my PR guy. Hey, is that true? Well, Roger, that's what they've been saying the whole time. Congress wants them because you're not willing to open up the, the investigation. You're not willing to show under the curtain to see whether or not the Wizard of Oz is actually two foot four inches tall. The NFL cannot get out of its way.
So what's the bigger story? Is it Rob Manford meeting the media and stepping in it? Is it Roger Goodell meeting the media and stepping in it? Is it Bob McNair? The Watson situation? By the way, the Dolphins beat the Patriots in week one. Thank you. Didn't Buffalo lose in week one? I'm going to lose my train of thought. But didn't the, I thought Buffalo lost week one and then all of a sudden won every game. Oh, they lost to the Steelers. Way to go, Coca. I thought you were only a college football guy. Turns out you watch college football, pro football, and MLB, and NBA, and read books, and watch movies? God, that's pretty amazing. Oh, you're right. Thank you. He just whispered in my ear, that was our survivor pool game. How long ago does that feel that we were doing a drop-dead pool on nothing personal, and he and I took two sides of a game? I think we both lost. I don't know how that happened. Okay. But was that the biggest news of the day? Oh, you took the Jaguars. Yes, you did. And the Jaguars lost. Why did you take the Jaguars? So they'd purposely lose? All right. So was that the biggest story of the day? There are people who believe that the NFL, MLB, NBA, none of them were the story of the day. They think the Chicago Blackhawks were the story of the day. And guess what? They may be right. Let me bring you front and center to what's going on in the National Hockey League. You know they have a complex where they want to be treated and loved and supported the way NFL, NBA, and MLB are. They want the same broadcast deals. They want the same revenue. They want the same team valuations. Well, what they don't want is the same scandals, and they have it. In 2010, when the Chicago Blackhawks were on a run to the Stanley Cup, they had an assistant coach who apparently was sexually harassing and violating players. Who knew what when? That's always the number one question in an investigation. Did you know? Did you not know? If you did know, what did you do? Remember the whole USA Gymnastics? That was why people are in jail. They knew when they didn't do anything about it. Chicago Blackhawks are accused of actually knowing, being told that there's harassment going on in their ranks and not acting. If there's one lesson we've all learned I hope you didn't learn in the last two years, but many people have. When your human resources department gets a complaint, you have to investigate. And then you have to conclude the investigation and you have to disclose the conclusion of that investigation. You can't say, as has happened in the women's soccer league and other leagues, hey, we investigated, it was nothing, we moved on. Turns out that the Blackhawks knew exactly what was going on, and they didn't want to do anything about it because they were on their way to winning the Stanley Cup. And that very fact was confirmed by the then coach of the Blackhawks, who is the current coach of the Florida Panthers hockey team, Kenville. Recognize that name? Stanley Cup winning coach? Panthers, the number one team in the NHL, undefeated? Well, now the NHL has a real problem on their hands. They had to announce that the Blackhawks were fully investigated, independently investigated. They're fined $2 million, which is a joke. I guess that is, they view themselves as 20% of the Washington Redskins. And there's going to be some personnel changes. The GM of the Blackhawks, 
His name is Stan Bowman. I actually just thought of this. Is Stan Bowman in any relation to Bob Bowman? Bob Bowman is a very famous hockey guy. I wonder if Stan Bowman is Bob Bowman's son. I bet Coca can find that. I'm making you work double time. Stan Bowman resigned one second before being fired. Other members of the organization who are still there, who were there in 10, resigned. Stan Bowman put together a four-paragraph statement. Four paragraphs. Do you know that what he did in his statement is shameful? 11 years ago, while serving in my first year as general manager, I was made aware of potential inappropriate behavior by a then-video coach involving a player. I promptly reported the matter to the then-president and CEO who committed to handling the matter. I learned this year that the inappropriate behavior involved a serious allegation of sexual assault. I relied on the direction of my superior that he would take appropriate action. Looking back, now knowing he did not handle the matter promptly, I regret assuming he would do so. Cover up, everyone. Cover up. There's a bus being thrown. How do you think that plays when he was meeting with his advisors? Stan met with his advisors and said, hey, I'm resigning. I'm forced to resign. I'm going to have to explain what happened because I want to work again. And the best way to do it is to say it's the old level les mains, washing of the hands. Is that what you would do in your company? Hey, I told someone, game over. Maybe if you're in sales or marketing or finance or hockey operations at a very low level where you're worried about your job security, where you're worried that if you are a snitch or a tattletale or that you bring forth allegations that turn out not to be true, that you will get swept away. When you're the GM of the team, oh, but he's a first year. He was clear to point that out. First year GMs have the same responsibility as 20 year GMs. You're held to the same standard. The CEO of the Blackhawks in 2010 was someone who I've met named John McDonough. To do what Stan Bowman did to John McDonough, it may be appropriate, it may be correct, but you do not do that in a statement if you want to work again. You take responsibility, and you don't say you just learned about it this year. You don't say that looking back, if I had known that the people above me wouldn't have done anything, then I would have. What you say is, mea culpa. I am embarrassed that when I was given this information that I did not promptly make sure that an investigation was done and that I did not follow up personally to make sure that my players felt safe at all times. It was my responsibility as GM, regardless of what the president or even the owner would want. But when I'm associated with an organization as a general manager, I am going to make sure that this doesn't get swept under the rug. Even though we had a team that had a chance to hoist the greatest trophy in all of sports, I would have chosen safety over a cup. That's a very easy statement to say, isn't it? Even if you don't mean it, why wouldn't you just say it? The Blackhawks have a problem, but so do the Florida Panthers. 
Kenville is going to get Beltran, isn't he? He's been investigated now. The coach apparently was told about this assault, the abuse that was going on. And the coach back then said, hey, we got games to play. Don't bother me with this crap. We got a cup to win. Uh-oh. That's not going to age well, is it? I got a surprise for you. I'm going to add a little wait to see here. I got two wait to sees for you. No, I haven't even done a wait to see. This is the wait to see. The coach of the Florida Panthers is going to be forced to resign in the same way Carlos Beltran was forced to resign of the Astros, the same way that Alex Cora was forced to be fired by the Red Sox, A.J. Hinch, and that was just sign stealing. This is far bigger than sign stealing. When I say he's going to get Beltran, that means that he's going to get swept up in something that he could say, oh, I really had nothing to do with. But when you're a coach and you are made aware of something and you're on record and it has been reported and corroborated that you are only interested in the game result and in getting the cup, bye bye The Panthers, unfortunately, in a season where they have a chance to actually do something, are going to get caught up in this the way the Raiders got caught up with John Gruden. I end the show today with my pick of the day because it is the World Series. And I tell you that the Braves won game one. I picked the Braves to win in seven. But when I saw the game last night, the Braves are going to win game two also. By starting Morton and winning that game, they have their ace going Max Freed. And with Altuva Correa and Bregman taking the donut, I like the Braves. I wanted to get that pick out there. We're 139 and 125 because we picked the Braves last night, and we are going for them again. A bit of a heavy show today. A lot going on in the sports world. I appreciate you allocating the 46 minutes of your day. Remember, it's just business. This is nothing personal. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.